Analytics 1.15. <clears throat> this one is a conversation between Zigong and Confucius. Zigong said, Poor but not inferior, rich but not superior. What do you think of the saying? The master said, That is acceptable, but it is still not as good as being poor, yet taking joy in the Tao, rich, yet cherishing Li. Zigong said, the Book of Songs states, like bone carved and polished, like jade cut and ground. Is this not what you have in mind? The master said, Zigong, you are precisely the kind of person with, who, with whom one can begin to discuss the songs. Based on what has been said before, you know what is yet to come. This one's a little complicated, and um, I'm going to draw from um, a few alternate translations here. So let's just kind of review. Zigong, Zigong basically um, says, he tries out one phrase, um, this can be translated as either poor but not inferior, rich but not superior, or poor without being obsequious, rich without being arrogant. Um, I think the way to understand this part here is that we have uh, poor people and sometimes they act inferior, and we have some rich people, they start to act superior. Um, and when a poor person starts to act inferior, there's a tendency to be uh, obsequious, meaning you're kissing up to the boss. That's something that comes really naturally to people of an inferior status or people who lack money. Um, they feel very vulnerable, so they want to flatter those who are in a higher position. And then when the tables are turned, they become in a higher position, they kind of lord it over everybody else, look down on them. This are, these are things that come very naturally to people who do not, who are not careful about how they behave and how they think. It's something that comes very naturally. So we have here a statement about somebody who is virtuous regardless of his situation or station in life in society. Poor without being obsequious, rich without being arrogant. What would you say about someone like that? So Zigong comes out with a, a statement here to describe somebody who is, who is virtuous. So he starts off with an attempt to describe the kind of virtue that doesn't change. Um, you can kind of understand this as to be sort of a, the internal dimensions of virtue. Um, that you take the same person, whether he's born rich or becomes rich, or he's born poor or becomes poor, um, he manages to avoid the pettier aspects uh, people who end up in those situations. All right, and then Confucius, the master, 
tries to put it in different words, and then Zigong explains it by referring, you know, essentially re uh, uh, rewards the idea by referencing the Book of Songs. The Book of Songs is a collection of poetry. It is considered one of the five literary classics, and I use literary not to mean fiction, but anything that is written into uh, words. And so we have the five classics, and the Book of Songs is one of the most important of them. They're all, they're all important, but the Book of Songs is the poetry. And so this is also known as the Odes, because it's not only poetry in the sense that we're just supposed to read it, read it internally or out loud, but it's supposed to actually be accompanied by music. And this music is um, lost to us by today because during the Qin Dynasty, which is the dynasty that is established after the Zhou Dynasty, during which Confucius lives, and Mencius and Shunzi also live, but by the end, it's not really functioning the way it's supposed to. So we've got a bunch of these smaller kingdoms, uh, smaller states, and they are actually at some degree of war against each other. Sometimes it's outright war, outright conquest, and sometimes it's more of a cold war. And so that's the end of the Zhou Dynasty. The state or the kingdom of Qin, Q-I-N, comes and is successful in its military campaigns more and more over a number of generations, over successive kings, until they are able to establish even more territory than the Zhou Dynasty itself. The first emperor uh, of the Qin Dynasty, therefore, is established. And he, according to Sima Chen, who is a very famous historian uh, during the Han Dynasty, he believes that, um, well, he characterizes the Qin Emperor as being pretty arrogant uh, because he's talking about how much greater he is than uh, how much more land he's conquered than the Zhou Dynasty. Uh, but if you know much about history, you know how futile and empty these, these, um, his bragging is because in less than two generations, in about 15 years, that dynasty collapses and is replaced by the Han Dynasty, which has a more typical lifespan, um, you know, in other words, lasting a number of centuries. Not as long as, as the Zhou, which um, lasts, uh, I believe, at least seven centuries. I don't have the number right in front of me. And of course, uh, some of these things, uh, you know, it's, it's a matter of history. And therefore, um, history is full of a lot of gaps. I always, this as a side note, I always think that it's a little ridiculous uh, that sometimes these archaeologists, based on pretty flimsy evidence, start to construct a lot of these ideas. Now, you can speculate. That's always fine. As long as you're making it clear, you're speculating. But if you start to say this is really what happened, and you stop saying that you're speculating that it's simply a matter of conjecture, um, then we've got a lot of problems. And science is full of this because there's a, there's a kind of science that you, you can do by testing hypotheses with experimentation. And then there's 
science that has to do with applying um, scientific laws and understandings to things that happened much later in the past, but we have no way to observe it directly, and we can't experiment on it. For example, we don't have a separate Earth to experiment to see what really could have caused uh, the extinction of the dinosaurs. So, um, you know, when we have these people, they're just conjecturing or high, uh, conjecturing or speculating, but they start to claim this as proven theory and so forth. This becomes a big problem. Anyways, let's go back to uh, back to the analogs here. Um, we have this kind of reformulation um, where finally Zagong uh, says, this reminds me of something that we read in the book of songs, the book of poetry, the odes. And if you take these words, these couple of lines, isn't this kind of what you mean? And Confucius is very happy. His student, his, his disciple, a disciple is basically a student you discipline, it's not necessarily a religious thing. His student has caught onto something, and Confucius is very happy. Zigong is an intelligent uh, student, and um, you know any student has his strengths and his weaknesses, and so you keep the strengths and you keep continue developing them. But you also need to address these weaknesses. And well, by the end of the analogs, we'll become very familiar with many of these students, these disciples of Confucius. All right. Um, so let's go into some of these articulations. So Confucius tries his own articulation after Zigong first states this idea. He says, not bad, but not as good as poor, but enjoying the way, Tao, rich, but loving ritual propriety, Li. I don't like to use love in this manner. I like to use the word cherish. You cherish things. Uh, you love persons. So here, let's look at this idea. Being poor, yet enjoying or taking joy in the Tao. The Tao is the way of life that encompasses virtue, humanity, beauty, and manifests them through things like music, ritual, and moral principles. So we find Yi and Li being part of the Tao. And the Tao is fundamentally rooted in Ren. In other words, again, humanity, what's noblest about uh, humanity. Now, if you're poor and you're taking joy in the Tao, and yet you're rich, but still cherishing Li, these are good signs because people who are poor generally their minds are focused on making more money but if they enjoy the Tao which de-emphasizes depreciates money and and appreciates or promotes things of spiritual value including morality humanity virtue etc then even though you're poor, this says a lot about your character. Rich but loving Li. When you're rich, you have access to all these sorts of goods. It's easy to become very lax. And it's easy to simply just do whatever you wish, to follow your desires, no matter where they lead you. 
one of the functions of Li, as especially when we talk about uh, the Shunzi's chapter on Li ritual, that one of the purposes of Li is to constrain yourself, constrain your desires, so that long term you'll be happiest. That's one of the functions. Another function, of course, is to make life beautiful. But one of the fu other functions is to properly restrain yourself. In other words, what Shinza says uh, in his words is to take what is too short and too small and make it larger. Take what is too long and make it shorter according to humanity and according to e-morality. So for example, um, there's a temptation to not take your time to mourn over a loved the death of a loved one and ritual will lee will take that short time and extend it so that you fully express what's in your heart and you're not damaged psychologically and spiritually and emotionally for the rest of your life and it can also work the other way where something uh, or another situation that's more happy a lot of people go to work very shortly after they get married, but that's not okay. The honeymoon period is too short. So virtually takes the honeymoon period and extends it. A lot of cultures in the past actually had a one year honeymoon. I think that's right. I think that's good. So um, I hope our culture can also have one day, year, one year long honeymoon periods. How lovely would that be? Sometimes things are too long, people drag it on. Maybe people drink too much alcohol. So ritual constrains the amount of alcohol you imbibe. And that's good because obviously if you drink too much alcohol, there's going to be problems. So finally, Zigong says, he quotes the Book of Songs. Like bone carved and polished, like jade cut and ground. Is this not what you have in mind? So those two lines, like bone carved and polished, like jade cut and ground. The bone, the bone probably refers to those who are um, lacking in means. In other words, poor. The jade, of course, jade is more valuable than bone. Um, and so it is um, probably uh, analogical uses analogy to people who have have means so in in both cases we're taking something that is raw and is valuable jade is more rare than than bone but you can carve it you know bone like for example elephant tusks would be bone or rhino tusks i know today uh that's a lot more valuable probably than jade because these um, creatures are unfortunately uh endangered or in, uh, you know, close to extinction. Uh, but back then, it's a little bit of a different situation. People didn't really have the machinery to easily dig. Uh, so perhaps jade was more rare than bone. But in any case, you have these materials. They are beautiful. You carve them, you cut them, you grind them, you polish them. And so in either case, you take what you have and you turn them into something beautiful. And that is what the Tao is about. That is what Li is about, is to take something that you already have and then you make something more beautiful out of it. And people who do not do this, they do not cut 
and ground or they do not carve and polish their, their character or their lives you look at them and you don't envy them uh, in fact some of them end up being somewhat disgusting they don't inspire uh, they're not inspirational per persons you look at them and maybe even pity them I don't uh, admire people who are billionaires and their whole family lives are a mess I don't I don't envy them at all I think it's a travesty that these people have so much power over the rest of us but I certainly don't envy who they are and I don't envy their lives so um, and you know who these people are I don't have to really mention them all by name but these guys are the ones who get a lot of divorces in their family even though they have tons of money most people get divorced over basically money problems these are these guys obviously don't have money problems and yet they can't hold on to their wives um, even if their lives dependent on it and the children don't seem to respect them or have really big problems in their own lives I don't envy these people at all it's regrettable though that they exist and they have so much power by ways of by means of money and money um, is key to power in democracies and uh, and certainly in capitalism um, and that's a discussion of a in a different lecture series um, so Zigong cites this this poem this song lyric and uh, and the Confucius says he's happy he says you're precisely the kind of person with one who with whom one can begin to discuss the songs in other words he can start to see the moral content the the the, uh, the he can understand it in terms of virtue and beauty and if you read these read the book of songs they're very they're kind of simple you know there's not a lot of irony and there's not a lot of um, you know weird philosophical questions in it um, it's simpler it's more direct it is it, it does and, and and so therefore it's a very universal there's some universal experiences that are captured in this poetry for example uh, how much a wife or a husband um, misses this you know his spouse when the husband is off having to fight a war um, these are some experiences that are universal no matter what age you're born into and they're expressed so you have this very simplistic beauty this very human feeling that comes out even though the songs are not really exciting perhaps in the way of the Odyssey or the Iliad uh, Homer the Bard not Homer Simpson but Homer the Bard is um, painting a very evocative adventure a lot of heroism but this is a little different than what's in the book of songs and there are translations out there I do encourage you to take a look at them put it as part of your collection read it from time to time it's not really uh, I think valuable to lecture on it like I'm talking about the analects because it's pretty straightforward for the most part 
All right, so he's saying, okay, we can discuss the songs because you know that there's this moral content uh, embedded throughout the songs. Based on what has been said before, you know what is yet to come. This is a very important idea. You study the past to understand the near future because the past, if we're talking about history, if we're talking about literature, or if we're talking about philosophy, or what's generally called the humanities, Human nature does not change fundamentally over time. Some people believe that. This is refuted very thoroughly by Shunzi. And you can go to that lecture series to um, understand his argument here. But people do not fundamentally change over time. People still need food, need shelter, need certain biological things. And then they also need family, they also need stability, they also need some basic level of dignity and respect shown to them. And people need to be loved and to be able to have people in their lives they can love and they need to do this in particular relationships. If you're a man, you need a, husband, a wife. If you're a woman, you need a husband unlike certain perhaps religions might say, you do actually need these things. That's natural. And you, um, you have a need to love your parents and you have a desire to be loved by them as well. And uh, I'll also have a, a series on certain parts of Plato's Republic. Plato's very good at discussing um, why there are problems, especially in democracies, which carry, you know, any, any kind of government carries its own kind of cultural impact. And this is what Plato is very good at pointing out. But just know that if you're having trouble with your parents, um, whether it's mostly on their end or your end, or it's a mixture of both, which is usually the problem, um, the ultimate problem is not necessarily that your parents were born evil. Um, they too are people and they too are influenced by the environment. And this is of course family and also your neighborhood. But these, these two things themselves are also influenced by government and the larger culture. The government is responsible as we see in Confucianism um, and implied throughout uh, Plato's Republic. Government is very important for leading and changing the culture. So some, sometimes people say, well, you get the leaders you deserve because the people voted for them. And I think that is victim blaming. You're blaming the victim. This is not fair. This is not sincere. You just have a broken system of government. That's the reality of it. So um, on the basis of what has been said, you know what is yet to come. You, If you study the humanities uh, and you understand that you could, whether you're studying history, literature, um, you know, maybe poetry, maybe fiction, um, you're studying philosophy, you're studying good works, classics, not junk, uh, no matter how rich the vocabulary is. You're studying the classics, you're studying wisdom. Then you start to understand human nature, you understand how to read these signals out there, and history will never exactly repeat itself, but there are some fundamental patterns to it. Um, there's that 
there's that saying human history doesn't repeat a rhyme something like that um, but the point of it is that it's not going to happen exactly the same way but by studying enough enough of these uh, sources you can actually start to predict what will happen more or less now I couldn't say on this exact date uh, for example um, you know the there won't be a United States of America anymore. Um, I can't say that, but you can tell certain, you know, you can tell certain realities um, based on your understanding. For example, what you can understand is that the culture will continue to break down, will continue to get worse um, because certain fundamental. Um, causes are present and they're not being fixed and we can't fix them in any time soon so you can start to figure out some of these things um, and um, if you're really interested in that part there's another lecture series um, regarding proper governing righteous governing humane governing e and uh, ren governing so you can go over to there and find out more about that so on the basis of what has been said you know what is it to come the Book of Songs is very important um, part of a very important part of understanding um, humanity, uh, not in the sense of rent, but humanity, just how human beings are, including our societies that we build. And you can see what is yet to come. So overall. Think about your virtue as something that you have to cultivate, you have to work on, you have to grind it, you have to cut it, you have to carve it, and then you have to polish it. These things you must do to yourself. It's a hard, long, assiduous process. It's not something that you could just go out and say, oh, it'll naturally take care of itself as long as I you know, experience life. This is not true. People, There are a lot of people out there. They've gone through a lot of countries, they've lived through a lot, they're old people, but they're not virtuous. I wouldn't trust them. You could talk to them, glean some information from their stories, but I never trust these people. That is a scary proposition because they did not take the time to carve, polish, cut, and, and ground themselves. And if you are going to extend this analogy a little bit further, you have to do these things in the correct way. You can't just hack at it. You'll just come up with something that's ugly. So if you do not use a DAO, if you do not use E and Lee as your tools, as your and you do not use your DAO as your method, you're going to come out as being very ugly rather than a very beautiful statue that jade is often formed into or bone is often carved into. So work on yourself. Use these various tools, Lee, music, E, study, the classics, and so forth, and find a good teacher and adhere to the correct teaching. It does you no good to master what is false. You can know of it. You can know enough to know that it's false. You don't have to master it. Stay true to the doubt.